Hey all, Balan. I hope not. <laughs> you alright, man? I'm doing alright, man. You alright? Good, yeah. I really enjoyed last night, uh, the growth groups, you yeah. know, and, and we're going to start doing this, just releasing new discussions about what we chatted about on uh, during growth groups as well. You know, discussion-based, so it's tough to record it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's people sharing things, so we don't want to record people's intimate details. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But uh, I, th I thought we could at least chat through it, and... Um, as one, one thing that we try to do, and uh, I think the congregation are aware of this, but we try to to link in what we chatted about um, in, in the morning service um, in the evening. So like mm -hmm. um, kind of expanding some thought that we talked about. And one thing that you really mentioned uh, in the morning service that, that I loved was you mentioned how the gospel always wins, mm -hmm. how the gospel always overcomes the forces of darkness. You talked about that, that dynamic between the forces of light and forces of darkness. Yeah. I think you could just uh, explain that a little bit. Yeah, so just looking at the idea of, I mean, sometimes we end up accidentally believing in dualism, that it's darkness versus light, um, two equal forces, Star Wars meta stuff. Mm. But that's not what the biblical worldview teaches. It teaches that God is the author of all. Um, that he's the creator of all things. He is he is the source of good and of light and of holiness. And then anything that's rebelling against him is something that he's created. Mm. So it's not light versus darkness as equals. It's creator versus creation. Mm. Um, and so because it's the creator, the all-powerful, all-wise one, um, ultimately he is going to win and the light is going to win. Mm. And it, that's never in question in scripture. Mm. And there's also this this kind of concept of um, and it's controversial to talk about, I get that, but uh, hey, here we go, um, <laughs> is that the devil only has power that's allowed him. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you think about that scenario in Job, mm -hmm. you know, where he comes before God, asks permission to yeah. persecute Job. So um, this, this idea that, that, that Satan is any match for God yeah. is just a myth. Yeah, you sometimes hear... Christians talk like that, um, you know, Satan's out to get me or Satan's out to get us or this is an attack of, the, of Satan. And it, and it might well be, but even if it is, it's still with the permission of the King of Kings. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be. So that's the whole point of, or one of the whole points of Job is that it's all with the permission of God. And um, so anything that Satan does, God is going to end up working that for good in the end. Mm -hmm. um, not to go into the, all the Silmarillion stuff, but uh, <laughs> Satan's tools will prove my will prove by my instruments. God will work mm. it for good in the end. Mm. No, that's good. Yeah. So, so on on that topic, um, the gospel overcomes. That's the idea, right? Yeah. The gospel always overcomes. So, um, the reason that the gospel overcomes, as we looked at last night, was because the gospel is glorious. Yeah. Right. So, um, two passages we're going to look at. First, one Timothy chapter one verses nine to seventeen. We discussed this last night. It was it was great. I really I really enjoyed just looking into it. Um, but the gospel is glorious and it does overcome. Um, but why is it glorious and why is it significant that it does overcome? Mm -hmm. And this passage tells us really two main things about why the gospel is glorious. Uh, first, the gospel is glorious because it saves sinners, which sounds very elementary on the surface, yeah. but is actually very profound. Yeah, yeah, glorious. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then the gospel is glorious because of its of its author, yeah. which is the most glorious aspect of of the gospel. So I'm going to read through one Timothy, one verses nine to seventeen, and and as we read through, we can just chat about it, um, pull things out, um, and and just carry on a dialogue. But uh, I'm going to start in verse number nine, knowing this that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate. Um, for the ungodly and for sinners, 
for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. So there's a lot we could chat about in here, but this is like when you think about, you know, like the most wanted lists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is up there. These guys are on that list. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like um, pretty ordinary in the beginning, lawless. So those who do not want to follow God's law, mm-hmm. which is, well, pretty much all of us. Isn't it? <laughs> right. And supporting those who just do not want to yield to authority. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's the idea that in, in this this concept of, oh, I was searching for Christ. Yeah. In, in some way, that might be true that you identified that you had a need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, according to Romans chapter 10, there's none that seeks after God. Right. No one seeks after God. Um, but then it says for the ungodly. Um, and and it's, I think it's important. The law is not for a righteous person. So um, it's not like we don't clean ourselves up for Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's not like somehow I'm going to do this or do that. And eventually um, Jesus is going to be like, all right, now he's ready for salvation. Yeah. Yeah. The law is showing me my my sinfulness. That's yeah. the, the point of the law. Yeah. Yeah. And he says the, the unholy and profane, um, which when, when we get to that, we're talking about almost like blasphemy, you know, um, not just being lawless, but actually being um, almost like in opposition to God, mm-hmm. like having some type of a campaign against him. Um, but then like the last bit here in, in verse number nine is, is the cream of the crop in terms of what we think of evil, it's murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, you know, mm. manslayers. Mm. And um, I, I can't imagine, you know, killing one of my parents. <laughs> no, man, no. <laughs> but it says like, it that's, what the gospel, yeah. that's what the gospel's for. You yeah. know, the law wasn't made for a righteous person. Um, but for these people specifically. Yeah. And fornicators, sodomites, and that's controversial. Yep. But the idea of any type of sex outside of the context of God-ordained marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, kidnappers, um, which is bad. Uh, liars. And just <laughs> Liars is just, uh, you're like, what? That's like the bottom of the barrel, surely? But it's yeah. in the same list of who the law's for. Yeah. No, it's important. Yeah, so the small and the big things. That yeah. Um, for perjurers, um, again, that kind of falls in the same category, I think, as liars in it. Kind of seems like a fairly small yeah, thing. Yeah, compared, comparatively, yeah. yeah. And here's, here's the kicker. If, if there is anything that is con- contrary to sound doctrine. Yeah, any other thing that hasn't been in this list that's mm. rebellion. Yeah, yeah. And, and as James says um, in his epistle, um, if, if we could keep the whole law, yet just break one command... Mm-hmm. then we're just as guilty as someone who's done every single one of these. Yeah. So in theory, if you were only a liar, but you'd never done any of the other things on the list, you'd still be viewed as if you'd done every single thing. Yeah, the law is still for you in that moment. Yeah. 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 Um, so then verse number 11 says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And, and there's that phrase, the glorious gospel and of the blessed God. Mm-hmm. So there's the author. So yeah. there's the author. So we understand it's it's miraculous when you when you read that list. And really, when we're honest with ourselves, we probably do fall into nearly every single one of those categories. Because I can't imagine killing my mo- my mother or my father. But have there been times when I've had hatred toward my of mother? Of course. Or father? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I remember writing when I was a kid. My mom found I, you know, she was disciplining me for something. 
and uh, I wrote on the wall, I hate my mum. Like, that's just so, mm. so horrible thing to do. She saw it. And, um, but there you go. Like that's, and Jesus said that the hate is murder in the heart, mm. isn't it? So, yeah. so that's, I haven't gone, I haven't gone through with it, but in that moment I had hatred in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you've hated your, your brother or your mother or your father, you're just as guilty as a murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember when I was a kid and this is kind of unrelated and maybe it's a rabbit trail, but um, I remember that I, I was going to run away from home over something insignificant. I got in trouble over something very small. I don't remember what it was, Mm. but I packed a bag, right? And went out the door and my parents apparently knew it was up. And I went out into the woods because I'm from West Virginia. Right. Went out into the woods across the the river from where I was at. And I just climbed up in this tree and just like looked over at the house. (laughs) Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run away. It's like this, this, this hatred, this mm. insubordination, you know, type of thing. And, um, and then I remember going back and, and dad being like, couldn't go through with it, could you? <laughs> he knew all along, you know. But, <laughs> but it's just this idea of just, we're just rebels, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. What, it's what we love. We don't, we don't love justice. We, and if deep down, we don't love democracy. And we mm. make a big deal out of democracy in our country. We don't love level playing. Mm. You know, we don't mm. love level pegging. Um, we want it our way. Yeah. We want it our way. We want yeah. power, don't we? So um, that's why the gospel is glorious because it's in spite of all that. Yeah. So it says the laws for these people, but the laws for these people in, it, in that it shows them their lawlessness and their need of the gospel. Mm. And, you know, so that's why it's according to the glorious gospel, yeah. right? There we go. Yeah. So, so like, for example, Paul says, I would not have known sin, but by the law. Yeah. The law, as he says in Galatians 3, was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Yeah. So um, highlighting the fact that we're all sinners always is that um, mechanism that God uses to, to bring about the glorious gospel because, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no good news without the bad news because I can't remember who said it, but the good news without the bad news is no news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the gospel is glorious because of that, because of sinners. But it's not just because it saves sinners, but because of what the source is, the blessed God. Mm. So the gospel is glorious because God is... Blessed, and this kind of ties in with what we've been, uh, what we've looked at in the past too, about um, the blessings that we experience as Christians. Are they only exist because of our connection to the blessed one? Yeah, yeah. You've been talking about that for a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been good stuff. So, so it's so it's like um, God's fixed state is blessed. Mm. Yeah, blessedness is His fixed state, and because we're connected to Him, then the blessings of the glorious gospel can come on us. Yeah. Verse number 12 um, says, And I thank Christ our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry. Um, and and we, we feel that way, don't we? If yeah. The gospel being that glorious, it's like what a what a privilege it is yeah. to be involved in it. And, and he says, because I was a sinner, you know, I was, yeah. I was a blasphemer. I persecuted the church of God. You know, mm-hmm. we look at, mm-hmm. looking at that. He persecuted, uh, well, he was consenting to put Stephen to death. Yeah. Like, they came to him and said, hey, can we put Stephen to death? He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hailing men and women, having them sentenced yeah. to death as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so uh, he says, I obtained mercy. Um, and, and he acknowledges that. It's, it's, it's a blessedness, being a, a minister of the gospel. But then um, when it gets into verse 14, I, I really like that it says, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. And uh, just that idea of a double positive in that way. Like abundantly abundant, mm, mm. <laughs> overflowing out of overflow. Mm. 
and I don't even know how to communicate that. It's like, like having a, something that's overflowing and putting in the sink, and the sink overflows too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the grace of God. It just keeps giving, doesn't it? It never runs out. A waterfall that floods its banks almost or something. Just like, yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably a better one. Uh, no, I don't, yeah. yours is good. Look, I like your one. <laughs> My country bumpkin hat on there. Um, so yeah, this, this all culminates in verse number 15, doesn't it? In this, this famous verse, mm. a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And um, what he's going to say, you talk about the upside-down kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's upside-down to how we view Paul a lot of times. We think of him as like way up there. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But he, he flips it. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm not the chief apostle. I'm the chief. Yeah. <laughs> the reprobates. Yeah. yeah. Jesus came to save me, the chief of sinners. Yeah. And if he can, if he can save me, persecutor of the church. Yeah. Um, the one who martyred Stephen. Mm. If he can save me, then the gospel's for everyone. Yeah. Christ came yeah. into the world to save sinners. Um, so yeah, just and he, and he ends by this, just again, just highlighting the fact that the gospel is glorious because of its author in verse number 17. And uh, this is a very famous verse, isn't it? And it's, it's fantastic. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What, what comes into your mind when you read that verse? Uh, the, the humility, the condescension of this king. Uh, so it's, I mean, to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, God alone wise. Um, and yet, you know, verse 14, the grace of our Lord being exceedingly abundant. Mm. Um, and you, see, you know how this came about. Jesus Christ, verse 15, came into the world. So this is verse 17. This king came into the world to save sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the that humility, that condescension that, that Christ would 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 do that for us. Yeah, um, I I think about the fact that God is supreme, right? And every every religion, every um, attempt at, at any type of theology in any context, not just in the Bible, what we want is a supreme God, don't we? Mm. That's what the Greeks wanted. You know, they wanted mm. some supreme God. So there's like Zeus, who's supposed to be supreme to all the others, and in mm. other. Um, religions, it's, it's similar. And when you think about in Christianity, there's the one supreme God. There's not multiple gods and a hierarchy of gods, but the one supreme God. And when you when you think about, it says the king eternal. He's supreme in eternality, right? Always existed, never had a beginning, never had an end. That's why he can give us eternal life. Yeah. Um, immortal, um, invisible. These These things are like, create mysticism around who God is. Um, you know, majesty around who he is. It's mm. like we couldn't possibly understand who this yeah, God is. Unfathomable. And, yep. and like you say, this God condescended yeah. to live and die as we yeah. should have lived and died. He's not just supreme or glorious in his powers, but supreme in his character and mm. that mercy, that humility. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So, uh, honor and glory forever and ever. And because that's the author of the gospel. Yeah. Because he's the one who's authored it. And we talk about him being. Being the author, we we discussed this at our table last night. We're not, we're not just talking about Jesus came to the earth. That's that's like phenomenal, one of the greatest truths I know. You know, mm. but we we talk about this was God's plan from the beginning, and that's that's hard to wrap our our minds around. And um, we we did mention last night about um, when when we think of time. You know, we we think of like a timeline, it had a beginning mm-hmm. and it had an end. And that's how we view time because that's how we learn about pe- key figures in the past and things like that. But when we talk about God, um, 
best way we know how to describe it is, a, is, a, is an unending circle. Mm. So there's no beginning, no end. It's just, God just exists. Yeah. He, just, he just is. So he doesn't view time the same way that we view time. So, so the, I think the temptation that we fall into a lot of times when we're trying to understand these things about um, God and doing things from eternity past, right? Planning things from eternity past, like salvation. Mm. Um, we, what we tend to do is put God in our box. So we, we start to try to limit God in the way that we're limited, but he's not. He exists out outside of the, the realm of time. You know, so he, he, it's not like he looks at time and he's like, oh, past, present, and future. Mm. It's just like God just is, isn't he? Yeah. So when we, when we think about, um, the Bible says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Mm. So before God ever spoke, in, in, in our terms, before God ever spoke and said, let there be light. Yeah. And it was light. already part of the plan. It was already part of the plan. Yeah. So yeah. Adam, and, Adam and Eve fluff up in the Garden of Eden. Yep. And... It's not like God's like, oh man, I gotta fix yeah, this now. This wasn't a surprise to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, you know, is Israel 400 years um, of silence mm -hmm. between the Old and the New Testament, no prophet speaking. After they'd only heard a prophet speak God's words for how long? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, it wasn't like God was like, well, I better send someone to him now. You know, it was, it was all part of the plan, God mm -hmm. becoming a man. It wasn't like, oh, now I need to rescue them. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. like, well, let's, let's get on with it at the time. In the fullness of time, yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. Um, we also got uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 4 that we, we looked at last night. Um, you mind reading that for us, Alan? Yes. Yeah, so it, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, uh, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Mm. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I really genuinely love chapter four of two Corinthians. And um, there, there are two purveying themes through this, um, light and power. Mm -hmm. Right, and and they're connected. I think they're they're really they are kind of one and the same, aren't they? But just going back to what you what you talked about with with light in the morning, and I know we alluded to it um, a minute ago, but just this idea of what light does to darkness and what mm -hmm. darkness doesn't do to light. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So um, asking a little kid when I was teaching uh, religious education at the school, where does where does the darkness go when the light comes? And uh, his response was, uh, it disappears as if it never existed. It's <laughs> so profound, and um, mic drop, right? Yeah, the way it really was, and um, so yeah, like when you when you have a, a room filled with light, the darkness can't actually enter it. You, mm -hmm. you know, the darkness can't actually get to it, um, and then when you have a room filled with darkness, as soon as the light comes in, the darkness isn't there anymore. It disappears mm -hmm. as if it never existed. So, like, yeah, the light and darkness just they aren't equals here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so just this principle from verse number four or verse number three. Um, falls right into that category before we ever start talking about light. It's the same kind of concept. Um, if, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are, who are perishing. Um, the fact that people haven't heard the gospel doesn't mean that the gospel is not valid. Mm. doesn't mean that the gospel is not relevant. Like Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Mm. And just because some exist in unbelief does not mean that the gospel is not relevant, mm. that it's not true, that it's not powerful. You know. Um, so, so he starts there. But it's, it, the principle that comes out of that is... 
if it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. So if we fail to share the gospel with someone that needs it, then we're, we're actually hiding the gospel. Mm. We're veiling the gospel. Mm. So it's like if we're not sharing, we're hiding, which is, um, yeah, an alarming principle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We looked at on Sunday morning, like the, the plundering of the plundering of the kingdom of darkness. Mm. And um, there's captives. There's captives in there. Um, captivated by Satan and the world and they need to be rescued. Yeah. And I mean Christ is the one that rescues and we're we're the messengers. Yeah. And there's there's, there's something there's something in us as believers in there that produced by the Holy Spirit where we we want to share that too, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, my 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 mom, um, love her to bits. Um, she's she's not the most outgoing person in terms of, of speaking to people, speaking to crowds. Um, it's something that she's struggled with as long as I've known her being a bit like um, um, afraid to, to speak and things like that. And so when it, when it comes to just like going out and sharing her faith, that's a difficult thing for her. But th- that being said, her, her best friend recently came to Christ after years wow. of her witnessing to her, Amen. which is phenomenal. Beautiful. But uh, I remember um, whenever I came back from, from Bible college, um, I started noticing her doing things that I'd never seen before. We'd, we'd, be, um, we'd be at a restaurant or something, and, and I would go to the counter to say, like, ask for, um, you know, a, a refill or something like that at a restaurant. And, and I would see a little gospel track laying on the, mm. on the counter mm. in a, with her church's <laughs> stamp on the back, you know, and it's just like things like that. Even, even though it, pe- some people struggle to be outward in sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. there is something in us that compels us to, to want to share yeah. the gospel because yeah. it's this principle. If we're not sharing, we're hiding. Yeah, so um, speaking of the perishing, those who are lost and unbelieving, verse number four says, whose mind, whose minds the God of this age, which as we know is Satan, the prince and the power of the air, is blinded. So Satan's blinding minds. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, that's one of his, that's one of his MOs, isn't it? Yeah, keep keep people, sorry, keep people captive in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he, he says, blinding the minds of them who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Um, I think in the King James Version it says, lest the glorious gospel of Christ, Um, which is the same phrase from from 1 Timothy we looked at Mm -hmm. a minute ago, the glorious gospel, Um, who is the image of God, which is, we could make a whole podcast just on that, couldn't we? (laughs) A whole whole discussion on that um, should shine under them. So he wants to keep, the gospel, the glorious gospel of Christ, from shining. On yeah, them. but how do we? So Satan's blinded the minds of these people. So how do they get the light of the gospel? Then it's verse five, isn't it? We yeah, yeah. We preach Christ. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We we, we do not preach ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ Jesus, the Lord, and and that's 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 a powerful word too, isn't it? The Lord, Master. Yeah. So when we're talking about light overcoming darkness, we're talking about the Lord, and and who is, um, who is this? Who is this Lord? Well, in, in verse number six, it says, for it's God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Yeah. So the one who, 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 who spoke and said, let there be light in the beginning, who literally spoke something out of nothing. That's the one we're talking yeah. about. That's the Lord. That's the master. Yeah. And you can really see the, the partnership with the Holy Spirit that we were called to here. Verse five, we preach Christ. Or Paul says, I, you know, he preaches Christ. And then verse six, it's God who's then shining that light into the darkness. Mm. So we're we're preaching, we're we're sharing the message with friends, and and then he's uh, he's shining that light into their hearts with the Holy Spirit. That's great, you know? yeah. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, and again, we're, we're we're thinking about the connection of light and power, and um, light dispels the darkness. Darkness doesn't dispel the light. Yeah. And here, the the kingdom of of light overcomes the kingdom of darkness. Um, but I think there's just something beautiful, kind of this undertone um, here at the end of verse number six. He's shown in our hearts, which is a miracle, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And I think that's, that's incredible, that the glory of God, which is why we were made, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many different New Testament passages and Old Testament passages that talk about it, but Revelation, for example, Revelation 4, uh, I think verse number 10 or something like that, it says, uh, verse number 11, I think it is, um, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Mm. So like, that's the whole reason we exist is for this glory. And the, the fall of man has completely bottled that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like marred God's image on yeah. our lives. Fall short of that glory. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, and the gospel brings us back. You know, it's, Again, it's the, the light overcoming the darkness. It brings us back to a place where we can glorify God. And the only place that that's found is in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm, mm. That unfathomable God that we looked at in 1 Timothy 1, um, we now have the knowledge of the glory of God mm. in the face of Jesus Christ as he shines that light into our hearts. That's great, yeah. So then it ends in verse number uh, 7, our, our passage that we're looking at. Um, it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. How would you how would you describe that analogy, that kind of metaphor that's being created here, earthen vessels? Yeah, Mick said last night, it's like a container, isn't it? We're, we're just a container of, of, of this treasure. Mm. That's great. So we're not, we're not the source. We just contain mm-hmm. the source, mm-hmm. which, is, which is great, man. What, what a privilege. Yeah. I mean, both a privilege in the sense of that this treasure would be in me. And then also it's so freeing that it's not in my strength or, you know, mm-hmm. that, I'm, that I have to do any of this. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's so beautiful. It's Christ at work in me. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel at work in me. Yeah. It's not me trying, trying to have to muster something up. Mm-hmm. Because um, that'll never happen, will it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's it, at the end of verse seven. It's it's of God and not of mm. us. Why, like, yeah. If it's mm. of us, then might as well quit today. Yeah, and and that you know just this this short conversation. It's like, man, the gospel is really important. It's glorious, man. It is glorious, man. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, and that's why you know when you when you look throughout history, it's like how many people have written books, preached sermons. And kind of in the past 10 years, done podcasts and all kinds of different things about the gospel. Mm. And no matter how many things are said about it, it's an inexhaustible yeah. topic. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I used to go for a walk with a, a pastor friend of mine down in Bath, and we would hang out together. And we would just message each other or on this walk, just ask the question, what does the gospel mean to you today? Mm. And, we, you know, I've been, I've been saved since 2007. He's been saved longer than that. And it was like, what does the gospel mean to you today? And we'd talk about that for an hour without even realizing it that the time mm. had gone because even as a christian this glorious gospel like you can't get enough of hearing it not not just the you must be born again side of the gospel which is which is wonderful but the the gospel for the christian today mm. which is what this little series yeah. is going to be about you know yeah yeah and um i mean you're, you're a big fan of the puritans like me you know and, mm. and maybe even bigger than me actually <laughs> they got some good stuff <laughs> but um you know the, the english puritans one of the big things that I noticed early on in in studying kind of the stuff that they talked about was the gospel was their motivator. 
Mm-hmm. Like you say, it wasn't, it wasn't just something at the moment of salvation yeah. went for a gospel appeal to a lost individual. Right. But it was actually something that was the everyday motivator for already made disciples of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like from 20 years in and uh, meditating on the gospel is, is what helps me to face today, tomorrow, to, mm. to deal with yesterday, um, mm. the gospel, which I trusted in. In 2007. Nice. Well, we'll ask that one question that we ended with um, last night mm. um, at the end, like, why do I need the gospel tomorrow? Yeah. Um, but but I just want to think um, first about, you know, what 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 the gospel actually is, you know, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, mm-hmm. and you know, the cross. The cross is the great equalizer, isn't it? Because it's like when we talk about um, the gospel's glorious because it saves sinners. The cross reminds us of that, mm-hmm. that, that I need mm-hmm. Christ now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just as much today as I did um, the first day, you know. Mm-hmm. I know he's a controversial figure, but Billy Graham, when he was um, on his deathbed, after he preached the gospel for how many years, like, and, um, and he thought he was going to die. And when he woke up, he said his first thought was, I need Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? 90-some years old. Wow, man, and his yeah. first thought yeah. is, I need Jesus, you know. Yeah. So, um, like the cross does that, doesn't it? It puts us on, it shows us our need. Yep. Yep. And so, um, and then the empty tomb is like hope, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you know, the cross gives us forgiveness. The empty tomb gives us eternal life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So constantly going back to that, it's like understanding I was a sinner. I could not possibly have saved myself without the cross. But also I was dead and I couldn't possibly have had life without yeah. the resurrection. Yeah. So it's yeah. like always bringing us back on level pegging. So in the context of the church, that's a really important truth. Just keeps us all. Yeah, we're all, we're all, whatever someone else in the church is dealing with, you, you should never look and say, oh, man, I wouldn't be like, that wouldn't be me. Like, how, how could they be so low? And it's like, you forgot that you, you have you forgot? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like the sins that you're, you're, you have been and are being forgiven uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, like the failures that, that God counts, that God would count to you if you hadn't trusted in Christ. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like um, the gospel. When, when, whenever we're motivated by the gospel and what we do, um, it eliminates entitlement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to be entitled while being moved by the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. So that's it, like towards God or others. Yeah, you, you, how could you? God is not the response of someone. Who is meditating on the gospel? Mm. Except, how could you save someone like me? <laughs> but yeah, it's not like, how could you do that to me, or how no. could you not give me this thing I need? You know, like that would. That's just not. It's not the heart of someone who's who's got the gospel in their mind. Yeah, that's good preaching. Yeah, nice one. Well, the question we ended with um, last night, I think we could just kind of wrap things up here with mm. is, um, why why do I need the gospel tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tomorrow, what's the gospel significance for me? Or we could say today because today was tomorrow last yeah. night, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, what's, why do I need the gospel today? Yeah, I, I need the gospel today um, because I, in myself, I'm still getting this wrong. Um, mm. I'm a, I might be a pastor, but before that, I'm a, I'm a sinner who's been redeemed. Um, and I still have the propensity towards sin. I still lean that way at times. I still, I'm still... I'm broken being put back together by Christ. Um, and so, you know, I, I, when I, in my moments of failure, I need 
to run to Christ again for forgiveness. So I, I need the gospel in my failures today, in my, in my failures in my, in my thought life, my failures mm. in how I treat other people. It could be that entitlement. It could be walk, you know, not treating people like the image of God. Um, it could mm. be not being patient with Victoria when she comes home from work mm. today. Uh, and so I'll need the gospel for those failures and I'll need the gospel for the strength to actually do the right thing as well. So mm. Mm. Yeah, I need it today. That's really good, man, yeah. Yeah, I just I just keep thinking about, and we're gonna hopefully do a whole um, conversation on this in the coming weeks as well. But um, just the idea of we, we we live in a society that is grasping for straws um, in terms of identity. Yeah, like Huge. like everyone's trying to get you behind their particular um, philosophy of what identity is. Mm -hmm. So like uh, whether whether it's cancel culture, mm -hmm. you know, we see that where it's like if you don't get behind my agenda or my right identity you know if you don't make my identity your identity we're gonna cancel you yeah or be on the right side of history you know right side of history. i want to be known as that person yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but but even even in the church so mm. things are very tribal mm -hmm. in terms of the church at times it can be yeah from, from church to church so you fall in this theological system or i right. fall in that theological system or um you use this translation of the bible i use that translation of the bible right. you you have this kind of music or use these instruments, we use that instrument, like petty things. It yeah, yep. becomes very tribal, and mm -hmm. so it's like identity. But on a very practical level, um, I can allow the circumstances of my life to control my identity as well. Yeah, yeah, both both those things and, and the circumstances of your suffering, you know, the yeah. things you're dealing with or mentally or relationally, yeah. Yeah, so, so like inwardly and outwardly, Yeah. I need, I need the gospel to be my identity. Yeah. The thing that defines us. Is ultimately that we're children of the king mm. before anything else. Um, yeah, that's that's huge, man. That like you, like you've been enjoying with uh, the suffering book. Um, yeah, you're not a sufferer; you're a child of the king yeah. who's who's dealing with suffering right now. Mm. And that might seem uh, like a small nuance, but it affects every. It affects the whole perspective of how you look at your suffering and how you look at your sin. Yeah, mm. good stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's again we, we we're, we're saying where does the rubber meet the road? You know, how how do I take the gospel from from theory to practice? Mm. And that's that's the most difficult thing to do. But but I think just just allowing it to move you, you know, to allow it to shape the way that you view the world and the way that you yourself. Yeah, I mean, today's takeaway is really just let's be really thankful. Let's just see the gospel as glorious today because yeah. it's sea of sinners. It's centered in Jesus Christ, and it it, it gives us light in the from the darkness, and it gives light to other people who are still perishing, but the light can shine on them too. So just enjoy the gloriousness of the gospel today. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. We should uh, should do it again next week. Do it again next week. <laughs> yeah. Nice one.